Don't look under the internet. do actually <laughs> who drinks just, nicotine this, and why this waffle one sounds so good. it was good. it was just the flavoring and we were yeah. stupid and really drunk we're like let's take a shot but put the fucking waffle flavoring in it waffle flavored shot nope <laughs> no it was more like burnt penis flavored shot yeah, it did not taste good no. Um, no, no, no 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 pretty sure that caused me to throw up that night or um, the copious amounts of alcohol one of the two i would not doubt that you know what um is uh Hi everyone, welcome to Don't Look Under the Internet, the show where I can't think of a segue anymore. Um, that's Jason. Hello. That's Dumbles. Howdy doodly. And I'm Clark Kent. Oh God. Not Superman. Why would you even think? Well, that? yeah, you wear glasses. Yeah, exactly. See, thank you. Someone gets it. That one guy. What's his name? Rex. <laughs> Rex Ruger, yeah, whatever. He, he keeps coming at me like, I think you're the Superman, and I'm like, no, no, glasses. 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 Uh, Did you say Rex Ruger? Yeah, that's think, his name, You right? mean Lex Luthor? No, 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 no. I mean, yeah, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I'm sure, what I meant. Um, oh, but boy. yeah, welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome. It's, it's so fun to have you on the show today. Um, I have a tiny story that only people in... The surrounding Illinois area will understand. Oh, good. And that's that fucking Ice JJ Fish dropped off my Grubhub order. <laughs> <laughs> that music career didn't really pan out too well for you, did it? <laughs> really, um, really hone in on that niche uh, yeah, target audience to, there. <laughs> it, for people that don't know, you might have heard him before without even knowing it. It's that guy that uh. does a song. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And like, it goes, no. it's something about you, girl, that just makes what? Oh. Yeah, it's and bad. I'm not exaggerating. That's what he sounds like. Look it up. Look up Ice JJ Fish on YouTube. You'll find him. Um, and I hope to God he's not listening and think I'm bagging on him. <laughs> like, uh, if you are listening, come at us. Yeah, right. I mean, were you happy with your order? Yeah. I, oh, I gave him five stars. Oh, good. <laughs> you good. Give him a good tip. So he, thanks, Ice. Needs all the support. Yeah, man. So, but apparently he just like. He's just around that area a bunch. Huh, yeah, he they, was he was from Aurora, I'm pretty sure. Well, yeah, that's where he filmed all his videos. Like mm-hmm. the the bridge in Aurora is mm-hmm. is there and everything. But yeah, fucking nice CG fish, man. That's, no, that's no, a he wild. used to he used to be a regular at Thornton's when I worked at the gas station. He's a regular at the Red Lobster. Oh well, that what? get them Cheddar Bay biscuit. You know, it's because bay. it's seafood and he's a fish. You get it, Doug. Can we move on? <laughs> Did you guys know that they sell a fucking uh, Cheddar Bay Biscuits fanny pack? It's like insulated, so you can keep Cheddar Bay Biscuits on you at all times. <laughs> there's, there's no end to this, this joke, is there? There's no end to this joke. No end. Much like, no end. A certain house, no end. Under the guise of a name, no end. Correct. Good job, Mike. No end. <laughs> <laughs> no end. That's actually the rest of the audio. We're gonna. I'm just going to go down no the path end. that Hordor did, where I just <laughs> can only say one word and hold a door. <laughs> Back in time. Back in time. Yeah, that whole thing. Stupid. Spoilers, um, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones. If you Thrones. haven't watched Game of Thrones yet, if you haven't watched on you. Yeah, and also, that won't make sense like to you. Four years. No. <laughs> it won't make any sense whatsoever. Um, but yeah, we are in week two of Anal Ween. And we're giving you another peepee pasta. We are. Peepee pasta. Uh, this one, this week, it's actually my favorite. Uh, it's very fucking creepy. Yep. Don't don't forget, everybody, as well, like, I'm watching you all. And that's it. <laughs> no. Um, what? <laughs> don't, don't forget, everyone, like, our last Halloween episode is going to be, like, a listener episode. So, mm-hmm. remember, touch that dial. Uh, dial in. Phone in. Uh... <laughs> Fucking DM us or leave us a Google voicemail or message us on our Google number. Oh, yeah. Uh, your creepy stories because we want to play them on the show. I already got one guy who um, we're probably going to end up calling. No, well, one of my, oh, oh, we're nice. probably going to have him call in so he can tell the story live. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be fun. And if you'd like to do that, 
Come on. Please, yeah. No, we've gotten a couple of people yeah, we messages. Couple, I think we got like four or five. I, I'd have to stories. go back and count. Yeah. But yeah, we, a couple of you guys have sent us some, some actually some pretty creepy stories mm-hmm. um, that if you want, like we can have you call in. If it works, if it doesn't, you can leave us a voicemail. Otherwise, we can just narrate it and add some creepy music yeah, to it. Whatever and, you're most comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have fun. Yeah, we'll make we'll make a day of it. And obviously, we'll credit you. Oh, yeah. Um, this isn't going to be just us stealing your ideas. What am I? Uh, M. Night Shyamalan? I don't know. Does he steal ideas? <laughs> Does M. Night steal ideas for his shit? He I, did, know. I know he didn't write The Beach That Turns You Old. He didn't write that one. That was a graphic novel. That was. But have you guys ever thought of going to The Beach That Turns You Old? No. No? no? Okay, well, don't go, because it turns you old. <laughs> it's right the there whole... in the name. Like, there's a sign feel... on the beach that says this beach turns you old, and people will go there anyway. Have we, have we talked about this? I feel like we've talked about this. The, or at least the it's beach come that I think turns it was you old. A... Bonus. bonus episode okay yeah uh, pretty the sure sh- the worst movie i think i've ever seen in my life well if you guys want more hot takes like this from mike uh go ahead and visit us at patreon.com slash the elitist of film he is and you will find that out very quickly as we go it's most there. of our bonus episodes are me just complaining about movies that i'm supposed to enjoy yeah it's, it's <laughs> if you were to simplify it sure but there's also comedy <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, so they're a lot of fun. It's just us talking about whatever we decide to talk about. Sometimes they're themes, sometimes they're not. But it's a great way to get more content. Um, not only are you going to get an extra episode a week if you subscribe to our $5 and up, um, they will all be bonus. You will also get a sticker and a shout-out an episode. So go check us out. We have some yeah. exciting new things coming as well. So be on the lookout. It's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> now back to our regular episode. Your yes. regular scheduled programming. Oh, yeah. Jason, you said this is your favorite this, creepypasta? It's, well, it's it's a toss-up. It's between two of them. And, Sorry, uh, pee-pee-pasta. P.S. Thank you. Call it what it is. Um, but yeah, this one is a, it's a story all about somebody who gets told about a uh, one of those extreme haunted houses. Ah, like an extreme home makeover, but with haunted homes instead? Yeah, well, they put the ghosts in the house oh, instead of gotcha, remove them. Gotcha. So it's like the opposite. I it's mean, a house inside of a ghost. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. So, like, Monster House. Yeah. I'm stuck on that now. Well, it's Monster House. It's a very Cannot good movie. comprehend buffering. Steve <laughs> buffering. Steve Buscemi's in it. But so it's a, we're going to go ahead and follow this little journey through a... Seems to be a pretty harmless haunted house and... uh Boy, does turmoil it, that follows. Yeah, does it not be that? <laughs> no, it is not that at all. Um, so when I you get, said we're going to follow this journey, I really thought you were going to say Jernine. We're going to follow this journey. And through, I got excited for a moment. <laughs> through Doug's haunted box to tours. Episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. This, man. Without further ado. Why do I have a show with you? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Just roll the goddamn clip. <laughs> Let me start off by saying that Peter Terry was addicted to heroin. We were friends in college and I continued to be after I graduated. Notice that I said I. He dropped out after two years of barely cutting it. After I moved out of the dorms and into a small apartment, I didn't see Peter as much. We would talk online every now and then, AIM was king in pre-Facebook years. There was a period where he wasn't online for about five weeks straight. I wasn't worried. He was pretty notorious flake and drug addict, so I assumed he stopped caring. Then one night, I saw him log on. Before I could initiate a conversation, he sent me a message. David, man, we need to talk. That was when he told me about the No End House. It got that name because no one had ever reached the final exit. The rules were pretty simple and cliche. Reach the final room of the building and you win $500. There were nine rooms in all. The house was located outside the city, roughly four miles away from my house. Apparently, Peter had tried and failed. He was a heroin, and who knows what the fuck addict, so I figured the drugs got the best of him, and he wigged out at the paper ghost or something. He told me it would be too much for anyone, that it was unnatural. I didn't believe him. I told him that I would check it out the next night, and no matter how hard he tried to convince me otherwise, $500 sounded too good to be true. I had to go. I set out the following night. When I arrived, I immediately noticed something strange about the building. Have you ever seen or read something that shouldn't be scary, but for some reason a chill crawls up your spine? I walked towards the building and the feeling of uneasiness only intensified as I opened the door. 
My heart slowed and I let a relieved sigh leave me as I entered. The room looked like a normal hotel lobby decorated for Halloween. A sign was posted in place of a worker. It read, Room one this way. Eight more follow. Reach the end and you win. I chuckled and made my way to the first door. The first area was almost laughable. The decor resembled the Halloween aisle of a Kmart, complete with sheet ghosts and animatronic zombies that gave a static growl when you passed by. At the far end was an exit. It was the only door besides the one I entered through. I brushed through the fake spider webs and headed for the second room. I was greeted by fog as I opened the door to room two. The room definitely upped the ante in terms of technology. Not only was there a fog machine, but a bat hung from the ceiling and flew in circles. Scary. They seemed to have a Halloween soundtrack that one would find in a 99 cent store on loop somewhere. I didn't see a stereo, but I guess they must have used a PA system. I stepped over a few toy rats that wheeled around and walked with a puffed chest across to the next area. I reached for the doorknob and my heart sank to my knees. I did not want to open that door. A feeling of dread hit me so hard I could barely even think. Logic overtook me after a few terrified moments and I shook it off and entered the next room. Room 3 is when things began to change. On the surface, it looked like a normal room. There was a chair in the middle of a wooden paneled floor, a single lamp in the corner did a poor job of lighting the area, casting a few shadows across the floor and walls. That was the problem. Shadows. Plural. With the exception of the chairs, there were others. I had barely walked in the door and I was already terrified. It was at that moment I knew something wasn't right. I didn't even think as I automatically tried to open the door I came through. It was locked from the other side. That set me off. Was someone locking the doors as I progressed? There was no way. I would have heard them. Was it a mechanical lock that sat automatically? Maybe. But I was too scared to really think. I turned back to the room and the shadows were gone. The chair's shadow remained, but the others were gone. I slowly began to walk. I used to hallucinate when I was a kid, so I wrote off the shadows as a figment of my imagination. I began to feel better as I made it to the halfway point of the room. I looked down as I took my steps and that's when I saw it. Or didn't see it, I guess. My shadow was not there. I didn't have time to screen. I ran as fast as I could to the other door and flung myself without thinking into the room beyond. The fourth room was possibly the most disturbing. As I closed the door, all light seemed to be sucked out and put back into the previous room. I stood there, surrounded by darkness, not able to move. I'm not afraid of the dark and I never have been, but it was absolutely terrifying. All sight had left me. I held my hand in front of my face, and if I didn't know what I was doing, I would have never been able to tell. Darkness doesn't describe it. I couldn't hear anything. It was dead silent. When you're in a soundproof room, you can still hear yourself breathing. You can hear yourself being alive. I couldn't. I began to stumble forward after a few moments. My rapidly beating heart was the only thing I could feel. There was no door in sight. Wasn't even sure there was one this time. The silence was broken by a low hum. I felt something behind me. I spun around wildly but could barely even see my nose. I knew it was there though. Regardless of how dark it was, I knew something was there. The hum grew louder, closer. It surrounded me. But I knew whatever was causing that noise was in front of me, inching closer. I took a step back. I had never felt that kind of fear. I can't really describe true fear. I wasn't even scared I was going to die. I was scared of what the alternative was. I was afraid of what this thing had in store for me. Then, the lights flashed for a second, and I saw it. Nothing. I saw nothing, and I knew I saw nothing there. The room was again plunged into darkness, and the hum became a wild screech. I screamed in protest. Couldn't hear this goddamn sound for another minute. 
I ran backwards away from the noise and fumbled for the door handle. I turned and fell into room five. Before I describe room five, you have to understand something. I am not a drug addict. I have had no history of drug abuse or any sort of psychosis short of childhood hallucinations, and those were only when I was really tired or just waking up. I entered the no-end house with a clear head. After falling in from the previous room, my view of room 5 was from my back looking up at the ceiling. What I saw didn't scare me, it simply surprised me. Trees had grown into the room and towered above my head. The ceilings in this room were taller than the others, which made me think I was in the center of the house. I got up off the floor, dusted myself off, and took a look around. It was definitely the biggest room out of all of them. I couldn't even see the door from where I was. Various brush and trees must have blocked my line of sight with the exit. Up to this point, I figured the rooms were going to get scarier, but this was a paradise compared to the last room. I also assumed whatever was in room 4 stayed back there. I was incredibly wrong. As I made my way deeper into the room, I began to hear what one would hear if they were in a forest. Tripping bugs, the occasional flap of birds, seemed to be the only company I had in this room. That was the thing that bothered me the most. I heard the bugs and other animals, but I didn't see any of them. I began to wonder how big this house was. From the outside when I first walked up to it, it looked like a regular house. It was definitely on the bigger side, but this was almost a full forest in here. The canopy covered my view of the ceiling, but I assumed it was still there, however high it was. I couldn't see any walls either. The only way I knew I was still inside was the floor matched the other rooms, the standard dark wood paneling. I kept walking hoping that the next tree I passed would reveal the door. After a few moments of walking, I felt a mosquito fly onto my arm. I shook it off and kept going. A second later, I felt about ten more land on my skin at different places. I felt them crawl up and down my arms and legs, and a few made their way across my face. I flailed wildly to get them off, but they just kept crawling. I looked down and let out a muffled scream. To be honest, I didn't see a single bug. Not one bug was on me. But I could feel them crawling. I heard them fly by my face and sting my skin, but I couldn't see a single one. I dropped to the ground and began to roll wildly. I was desperate. I hated bugs, especially ones I couldn't see or touch. But these bugs could touch me, and they were everywhere. I began to crawl. I had no idea where I was going. The entrance was nowhere in sight and I still hadn't seen the exit, so I just crawled, my skin wriggling with the presence of those phantom bugs. After what seemed like hours, I found the door. I grabbed the nearest tree and propped myself up mindlessly, slapping my arms and legs to no avail. I tried to run, but I couldn't. My body was exhausted from crawling and dealing with whatever it was that was on me. I took a few shaky steps to the door, grabbing each tree on the way for support. It was only a few feet away when I heard it, the low hum from before. It was coming from the next room and it was deeper. I could almost feel it inside my body, like when you stand next to an amp at a concert. The feeling of the bugs on me lessened as the hum grew louder. As I placed my hand on the doorknobs, the bugs were completely gone, but I couldn't bring myself to turn the knob. I knew that if I let go, the bugs would return and there was no way I would make it back to room 4. I just stood there, my head pressed against the door marked 6, and my hand shakily grasping the knob. The hum was so loud, I couldn't even hear myself pretend to think. There was nothing I could do but move on. Room 6 was next, and room 6 was hell. I closed the door behind me, my eyes held shut and my ears ringing. The hum was surrounding me. As the door clicked into place, the hum was gone. I opened my eyes in surprise and the door I'd shut was gone. It was just a wall now. I looked around in shock, the room was identical to room 3. The same chair and lamp, but with the correct amount of shadows this time. 
The only real difference was that there was no exit door and the one I came in through was gone. As I said before, I had no previous issues in terms of mental instability, but at that moment I fell into what I know was insanity. I didn't scream, I didn't make a sound. At first I scratched softly. The wall was tough, but I knew the door was there somewhere. I just knew it was. I scratched, and where the doorknob was, I clawed at the walls frantically with both hands, my nails being filed down to the skin against the wood. I fell silently to my knees. The, the only sound in the room was this incessant scratching against the wall. I knew it was there. The door was there. I knew it was just there. I knew if I could just get past this wall. Are you alright? I jumped off the ground and spun in one motion. I leaned against the wall behind me and I saw what it was that spoke to me. To this day, I regret ever turning around. There was this little girl. She was wearing a soft white dress that went down to her ankles. She had long blonde hair to the middle of her back and white skin and blue eyes. She was the most frightening thing I had ever seen. And I know that nothing in my life will ever be as unnerving as what I saw in her. While looking at her, I saw something else. Where she stood, I saw what looked like a man's body, only larger than normal and covered in hair. He was naked from head to toe, but this head was not human and his toes were hooves. It wasn't the devil, but at that moment, it might as well have been. The form had the head of a ram and the, the snout of a wolf. It was horrifying, and it was synonymous with the little girl in front of me. They were the same form? I can't really describe it, but I saw them at the same time. They shared the same spot in that room, but it was like looking at two separate dimensions. When I saw the girl, I saw the form, and when I saw the form, I saw the girl. I couldn't speak. I could barely even see. My mind was revolting against what it was attempting to process. I had been scared before in my life, and I had never been more scared than when I was trapped in that fourth room. But that was before room six. I just stood there, staring at whatever it was that spoke to me. There was no exit, I was trapped in here with it, and then it spoke again. David, you should have listened. When it spoke, I heard the words of a little girl, but the other form spoke through my mind in a voice I won't even David, attempt to describe. You should have listened. There was no other sound. The voice just kept repeating that sentence over and over in my mind, and I David, agreed. You should have listened. David, 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 you should have listened. I don't know what to do. I was slipping into madness, yet I couldn't take my eyes off of what was in front of me. I dropped to the floor. I thought I had passed out, but the room wouldn't let me. I just wanted it to end. I was on my side, my eyes wide open, and the form staring down at me. Scurrying across the floor in front of me was one of the battery-powered rats from the second room. The house was toying with me, but for some reason, seeing that rat pulled my mind back from whatever depths it was headed, and I looked around the room. I was getting out of here. I was determined to get out of that house and live and never think about this place again. I knew this room was hell and I wasn't ready to take up residency. At first, it was just my eyes that moved. I searched the walls for any kind of opening. The room wasn't that big, so it didn't take long to soak in the entire layout. The demon still taunted me, the voice growing louder as the form stayed rooted where I stood. I placed my hand on the floor, lifted myself up to all four, and turned to scan the wall behind me. Then I saw something I couldn't believe. The form was now right at my back, whispering into my mind how I shouldn't have come. I felt its breath on the back of my neck, but I refused to turn around. A large rectangle was scratched into the wood, with a small dent chipped away in the center of it. Right in front of my eyes I saw the large seven I had mindlessly etched into the wall. I knew what it was. Room seven was just beyond that wall where room five was moments ago. I don't know how I had done it. Maybe it was just my state of mind at the time, but I had created the door. 
I knew I had. In my madness, I had scratched into the wall what I needed the most. An exit to the next room. Room 7 was close. I knew the demon was right behind me, but for some reason it couldn't touch me. I closed my eyes and placed both hands on the large 7 in front of me. I pushed. I pushed as hard as I could. The demon was now screaming in my ear. It told me I was never leaving. It told me that this was the end, but it was I wasn't going to die. I was going to live there in room 6 with it. I wasn't. I pushed and screamed at the top of my lungs. I knew I was going to push through the wall eventually. I clenched my eyes shut and screamed and the demon was gone. I was left in silence. I turned around slowly and was greeted by the room as it was when I entered, just a chair and a lamp. I couldn't believe it, but I didn't have time to well. I turned back to the seven and jumped back slightly. What I saw was a door. It wasn't the one I had scratched in, but a regular door with a large seven on it. My whole body was shaking. It took me a while to turn the knob. I just stood there for a while, staring at the door. I couldn't stay in room six, I couldn't. But if this was only room six, I couldn't imagine what seven had in store. I must have stood there for an hour just staring at the seven. Finally, with a deep breath, I twisted the knob and opened the door to room seven. I stumbled through the door, mentally exhausted and physically weak. The door behind me closed and I realized where I was. I was outside. Not outside like room five, but actually outside. My eyes stung, I wanted to cry. I fell to my knees and tried, but I couldn't. I was finally out of that hell. I didn't even care about the prize that was promised. I turned and saw that door I just went through was the entrance. I walked to my car and drove home thinking of how nice a shower sounded. As I pulled up to my house, I felt uneasy. The joy of leaving no end house had faded and dread was slowly building in my stomach. I shook it off as a residual from the house and made my way to the front door. I entered and immediately went up to my room. There on my bed was my cat, Baskerville. He was the first living thing I had seen all night and I reached to pet him. He hissed and swiped at my hand. I recoiled in shock as he never acted like that. I thought, whatever, he's an old cat. I jumped in the shower and got ready for what I was expecting to be a sleepless night. After my shower, I went to the kitchen to make something to eat. I descended the stairs and turned into the family room. What I saw would be forever burned into my mind. My parents were lying on the ground, naked and covered in blood. They were mutilated to near unidentifiable states. Their limbs were removed and placed next to their bodies. Their heads were placed on their chest facing me. The most unsettling part was their expressions. They were smiling, as though they were happy to see me. I vomited and sobbed in the family room. I don't know what happened. They didn't even live with me at the time. I was a mess. Then I saw it. A door that was never there before. A door with a large eight scrawled on it, in blood. I was standing in my family room, but I was in room seven. The faces of my parents smiled wider as I realized this. They weren't my parents. They couldn't be, but they looked exactly like them. The door marked eight was across the room, behind the mutilated bodies in front of me. I knew I had to move on, but at that moment I gave up. The smiling faces tore into my mind. They grounded me where I stood. I vomited again and nearly collapsed. Then the hum returned. It was louder than ever and it filled the house and shook the walls. The hum compelled me to walk. I began to walk slowly, making my way closer to the door and the bodies. I could barely stand, let alone walk. And the closer I got to my parents, the closer I came to suicide. The walls were now shaking so hard it seemed as though they were going to crumble, but still the faces smiled at me. As I inched closer, their eyes followed me. I was now between the two bodies, a few feet away from the door. The dismembered hands clawed their way across the carpet towards me, all while the faces continued to stare. New terror washed over me and I walked faster. I didn't want to hear them speak. I didn't want their voices to match those of my parents. They began to open their mouths and the hands were inches away from my feet. In a dash of desperation, I lunged towards the door, threw it open, and slammed it behind me. Roommate. I was done. After what I had just experienced, I knew there was nothing this fucking house could throw at me that I couldn't live through. There was nothing short of the fires of hell that I wasn't ready for. 
Unfortunately, I underestimated the abilities of Noah and House. Unfortunately, things got more disturbing, more terrifying, more unspeakable in Roommate. I still have trouble believing what I saw in Roommate. Again, the, the room was a carbon copy of rooms 3 and 6, but sitting in the unusually empty chair was a man. After a few seconds of disbelief, my mind finally accepted the fact that the man sitting in the chair was me. Not someone who looked like me, it was David Williams. I walked closer. I had to get a better look even though I was sure of it. He looked up at me and I noticed tears in his eyes. Please, please don't do it. Please don't hurt me. What? Who are you? I'm not going to hurt you. Yes, you are. You're going to hurt me and I don't, I don't want you to. He sat in the chair with his legs up and began rocking back and forth. It was actually pretty pathetic looking, especially since he was me, identical in every way. Listen, who are you? I was now only a few feet away from my doppelganger. It was the weirdest experience yet, standing there talking to myself. I wasn't scared, but I would be soon. Why are you- You're going to hurt me, you're going to hurt me, if you want to leave you're going to hurt me. My eyes didn't leave that small number on his chest. I knew exactly what it was. The first few doors were plain and simple, but after a while they got a little more ambiguous. Seven was scratched into the wall by my own hands, eight was marked in blood above the bodies of my parents, but nine? This number was on a person. A living person. Worse still, it was on a person that looked exactly like me. David? Yes. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. He was me right down to the voice, but that nine. I paced around for a few minutes while he sobbed in his chair. The room had no door and similar to room six, the door I came through was gone. For some reason I assumed that scratching would get me nowhere this time. I studied the walls and floor around the chair sticking my head underneath and seeing if anything was below. Unfortunately there was. Below the chair was a knife. Attached was a tag that read, to David, from management. The feeling in my stomach as I read that tag was something sinister. I wanted to throw up and the last thing I wanted to do was remove the knife from under that chair. The other David was still sobbing uncontrollably. My mind was spinning into an attic of unanswerable questions. Who put this here and how did they get my name? Not to mention the fact that as I knelt on the cold floor, I also sat in that chair sobbing in protest of being hurt by myself. It was all too much to process. The house and the management had been playing with me this whole time. My thoughts for some reason turned to Peter and whether or not he got this far. If he did, if he met a Peter Terry sobbing in this very chair, rocking back and forth, I shook the thoughts from my head. They didn't matter. I took the knife from under the chair and immediately the other David went quiet. David, what do you think you're going to do? I lifted myself from the ground and clenched the knife in my hand. I'm going to get out of here. David was sitting in the chair, though he was very calm now. He looked up at me with a slight grin. I couldn't tell if he was going to laugh or strangle me. Slowly he got up from the chair and stood, facing me. It was uncanny. His height and even the way he stood matched mine. I felt the rubber hilt of the knife in my hand and gripped it tighter. I don't know what I was planning on doing with it, but I had a feeling I was going to need it. Now, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to keep you here. I didn't respond. I just lunged and tackled him to the ground. I had mounted him and looked down, knife poised and ready. He looked up at me, terrified. It was like I was looking into a mirror. Then the hum returned, low and distant. Though I still felt it deep in my body. David looked up at me as I looked down at myself. The hum was getting louder. I felt something inside me snap. With one motion, I slammed the knife into the patch on his chest and ripped down. Blackness fell on the room, and I was falling. The darkness around me was like nothing I had experienced up to that point. Room 4 was dark, but it didn't come close to what was completely engulfing me. I wasn't even sure if I was falling after a while. I felt weightless, covered in the dark. 
Then a deep sadness came over me. I felt lost, depressed, and suicidal. The sight of my parents entered my mind. I knew it wasn't real, but I had seen it, and the mind has trouble differentiating between what is real and what isn't. The sadness only deepened. I was in room 9 for what seemed like days. The final room, and that's exactly what it was. The end. No end house had an end, and I had reached it. At that moment, I gave up. I knew I'd be in that in-between state forever, accompanied by nothing but darkness. Not even the hum was there to keep me sane. I had lost all senses. I couldn't feel myself. I couldn't hear anything. Sight was completely useless here. I had searched for a taste in my mouth and found nothing. I felt disembodied and completely lost. I knew where I was. This was hell. Room 9 was hell. That's when it happened. A light. One of those stereotypical lights at the end of the tunnel. I felt ground come up from below me and I was standing. After a moment or two of gathering my thoughts and senses, I slowly walked toward that light. As I approached the light, it took form. It was a vertical slit down the side of an unmarked door. I slowly walked through the door and found myself back where I started. The lobby of No End House. It was exactly how I left it, still empty, still decorated with childish Halloween decorations. After everything that had happened that night, I was still wary of where I was. After a few moments of normalcy, I looked around the place trying to find anything different. On the desk was a plain white envelope with my name handwritten on it. Immensely curious yet still cautious, I mustered up the courage to open the envelope. Inside was a letter, again, handwritten. David Williams, congratulations! You have made it to the end of No End House. Please accept this prize as a token of great achievement. Yours forever, management. Within the letter were $500 bills. I couldn't stop laughing. I laughed for what seemed like hours. I laughed as I walked to my car and laughed as I drove home. I laughed as I pulled into my driveway and I laughed as I opened my front door to my house. And I laughed as I saw the small tin etched into the wood. Wow, what a shitty house. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't want to live there. No. It sounds fucking awful. At least he got paid. Yeah. Although, that was not enough money. But he also didn't escape. That's what I mean. So, (laughs) it did give him money. Like, it gave him 500 buckarinos. Um, how do you spend that if you're still in the home? I don't think you do. It's one of those, uh, like, deal with the devil, like... Yeah, you'll get what you want, but there's some fucking catastrophic consequences that come with it. I suppose. All I know is if I was in a haunted house, like the no-end house, and I come to a room where it's me crying on a chair, (laughs) and I'm presented with a knife, I'm stabbing me in chair, because, I mean, this motherfucker has already come by, like, five people that he knows aren't real. Yep. You know what I mean? So oh, at that point, You yeah. know this ain't a real you. But Just also kill him. Think of the, like, the yeah. fucking mental trauma that would come from something like I that. I feel like it might be very cathartic, if anything. Oh, oh Jesus. finally. Yeah, finally. <laughs> I get to see what it's like to just... to just beat me up. <laughs> I needed a good ass kicking. <laughs> so I decided to fuck that's me up. That's it, me. Yeah, that's it, me. I'm tired of me. Um, I'm, I guess... curi- I'm curious about one thing, though. Like, how did dude get out of the house? Oh, no, he didn't. Peter? Oh, Peter. Yeah. So I actually, I was curious about that too, and I went through the comments to find out. And people think that um, when our our protag here, David, walked up to the house initially and opened the door to the lobby, he said that he got this like like gut-wrenching, like fear Mm -hmm. feeling that a lot of people think that Peter just never made it past that. He technically failed doing it because he went up to the lobby and just decided not even to go in the lobby. That makes sense. Makes a little sense. Yeah. Huh. Oh, but this um, um this shitty house um is going to help me segue into my thing, which is <laughs> the drinking. What are we drinking? No, it is almost. Well, hold on. Let's let's make you not a liar. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to start the song now. Go ahead. What are we drinking? What are we thinking? And there's a bottle here and it's empty. Yeah. 
So what are you people? Fuck! Oh, Fuck! No. Well, it is empty. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot more in there. You're than not wrong. Oh man, this Good is gonna luck. suck. See, so what are you you boys drinking? Because I am not partaking in that one. This is. I'm drinking the a Bud Light. Bottom shelf. Yep. Canadian Club. It's only good for seven mm. and sevens, and I didn't bring Sprite in the room. Well, seven and segre- seven and sevens is Seagrams. Oh, you're right. Because it's a wow. I just bought the, all the wrong things. So I bought like the fucking poor man's you seven bought, and sevens. You bought <laughs> what homeless people buy. Well, I was there's that two, at one point. There's in my life. two alcohols that the homeless buy. It's Canadian Club, which is what we have now, and, and Evan Skull, Skull Vodka. Yes, oh. yes. <laughs> so, oh my God. So before we take the shot, I had a conversation with somebody at work today. And their husband says his favorite whiskey is Evan Williams. Poor, poor soul. Yeah, that... I mean, mm, mm, as a man that's had Evan Williams before, it's not the worst. It, it could be better. When, you, could be when better. you've drank, like, 60 80 $100 bottles of whiskey, that is... Well, it's get not it, Doug. Good. You're fancy. I'm oh, not, though. Mr. Big Shot, I don't ever whiskeys. buy bottles like that, but when I've had those whiskeys, you then it makes you realize, wow, that's dog water. Yep. Yeah, well... So speaking of dog water... Yeah, go ahead and shut your ears back. Yeah, yeah. Speaking let's of do dog water, really let's drink this dog water. Oh my god, you did the same thing to me, you dickhead. Yeah, well, well, yeah, those are filled to the brim. Hey, we finished the bottle, and we yeah. I didn't want to be a liar in front of Mike. Thank you. This is jingle. I hate that, too. Um, but yeah, that's that's No End House, and it's very fun, and good Twas job. good. So why don't you boys just clink it and drink it for the people at home real quick. All right, you ready? Go. There you go. Good boys. Boy, wasn't that delicious. You guys Ooh. looked like you almost died from Ooh. that. Here's a little tip. Crying. Pro tip for all of you at home. I you, Usually we the people, you know, when we clink it, they drink with us Just don't, at home. Don't drink Canadian Club. Nope. Don't unless they sponsor us at some point. Then Will drink bring it Canadian back? Club. Yeah. No. Probably. If we're sponsored. Yeah. Or, or if we're fucking running low on funds. <laughs> yeah, I will sell out hard. <laughs> Canadian Club, where you at? Oh, yeah, dude. Any whiskey that gives us some endorsements, unless they, like, actively kill immigrant children or something like that, like, sure. Just send it my way. Please, wow. just give me free whiskey. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. <laughs> I do have standards. Um, oh. But, yeah, boys, uh, good job today. And Absolutely. And good job to all of you at home listening, because... You know I think Doug deserves uh, our audience's attention here. So, you know, everyone in our audience, thank you so much for being here for the past, you know, six or seven months. That'd be, that's been so fantastic that you haven't left, moved, eaten, or made noise, <laughs> aside from when we pressed the button. So, yeah. good yeah. Job shout to out the, to all you. Yeah, good job you to the audience job. members, too. They haven't moved in many a moon. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, this one's for you. Mike, go ahead and fucking hit that button. Boop. There we they're, go. That's for they're, the audience. They, wait, they're clapping at themselves right now, aren't they? The they audience are. members, yeah, they're, they're clapping for themselves. Yeah, they're patting themselves on the back. Okay, shut the, fucking stop this shit. You don't get to do that. <laughs> oh, that is my job. This fucking keep them in line. You're right. I should. All right. Well, you already shut them up. So <laughs> yeah, they're pretty quiet. Wow. Now, so. I can't believe you took my job. If you fuckers make another noise this episode, cocks shotgun. I'm gonna replace everyone's esophagus with somebody else's esophagus. I thought we talked about replacing them with geese. Oh yeah, but honking geese. Well, they they. I wanted to do that. Me but... and me and Lori have a character that we created named Marmalade, and it's a, a goose that brings you bad news. And he's like, <laughs> and like he, he flies by, and he's like, uh, he's got like patches of like feathers missing. He's fine, like personally, he's okay. But like he just looks raggedy and beat up, like he's just been through like a lot. Like the Gary Busey of geese. Yeah. Okay. He like fly by, Gary. and like all you hear. Goosey, You'll be like goosey, walking goosey. by, <laughs> Gary Goosey. No, Goosey Busey. Goosey Busey. You'll be just like having a nice day, just strolling down, just taking a nice walk, and you just hear, "Oh," because he's like really sad, just "Oh," and you're like, "Ah, oh, fuck, it's marmalade. Where is he?" And he just comes like flapping down, and he like kind of tumbles onto the ground, and he presents you with a letter, and it's like, "What is it? Oh God, oh God, I got AIDS. Oh, marmalade, no!" And he's just, "Oh," is and then he flies away, and marmalade the depression goose. Like. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, this is just Eeyore. He, he always has to yeah. deliver bad news. Eeyore, and, and he also kind of has bad news. Like you see him like stumble in, and then he like kind of like brushes himself off, like like limps away, and you're like, "Oh God, marmalade!" Like you I don't gotta so do this, but like he does it because it's his job, and he's trying to support his family. You guys have <laughs> so. had a lot of time to flesh this out. <laughs> to give a goose a life story yeah. and purpose, <laughs> a, f- a fake goose. 
A goose's purpose. On that note, <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the second annual yes. PP Pasta. Um, well, it's still the first annual. Jason, May your anal weans be filled well, no, with PP Pasta. I mean, like the second creepy. Oh yeah, second PP Pasta. Week two, motherfuckers. Yeah. Week two of PP Pasta. Um, Jason, since it's yours, you sign us off today. Oh yeah, I, Wait. Forgot, I forgot we were doing this. I gotta cover all the bases. You sure do. Okay, and well, I'm gonna sit here and stare at you without blinking. While you attempt this, and I'm going to watch you I fuck would, it up. Oh, I'm going to, because the social shit is not my shit. But mm. thank you guys so much for listening. This has <laughs> been a... F- this has been so much fun to do. Um, we love doing these little audio dramas, especially with creepypastas like this. Yeah. They're yeah. fantastic, and they're perfect for Halloween. Yeah. You know what else is perfect for Halloween? Keep it up. Yeah. If you were to go ahead and visit us at linktree.com slash thepootypod, you can find all of our important links. Uh-huh. Find our latest YouTube video. You can find our latest episode on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, pretty much anywhere you might want to listen to us. Uh, yeah. We're recently on Facebook Podcasts. Yes, we recently got accepted, well, invited and accepted to Facebook Podcasts, so... If, if you can figure late, out how to get there, good job. Yes, I can. <laughs> it's pretty easy, actually. Just... Click on our Facebook profile. Yeah, if you click on our profile, you'll see like uh, some posts, and every time that our uh, our feed gets updated, we will get an update on our page saying, "Here, you can listen to this audio. It's it belongs to them, but we're hosting it." Um, but no, thanks you, Facebook. Yeah, they're you know, thanks you multi conglomerate uh, business that deserves to be shut down. And that was your seven hour depression nap yesterday. <laughs> thanks, Zark Muckerberg. Fucking asshole. Fuck Zucker nuts? I don't know. Zucker fucked. <laughs> you got Zucker fucked. Uh, but no, visit us there. You can also visit us. Um, you can buy us a coffee. Well, if we're being honest, you're buying us a beer. Um, at buymeacoffee.com slash bluelypod. You can also visit our Patreon, which that honestly has a lot going on right now. We are in the middle of getting a ton of content. We are about to hit our first goal, which is super fucking exciting. Woo! We just got done recording uh, Hi, our world build, our first world building episode for a full D&D homebrew campaign that I wrote, and Mike, Doug, and a few friends will be partaking in. Um, so check that out. Also, if you want some bonus content, some some just more of what we talk about. It's not really topical, but it's more disjointed, friendly conversation. So if you enjoy what we talk about or how we talk. or We're mostly drunk during it. Yeah, and it's a very drastic yeah. change from the creepy shit we talk about here. It's usually oh, us yeah. arguing about movies. Cloverfield. So. Honestly, half of our episodes are just movie arguments. Cloverfield especially. That Cloverfield one, yeah. Lane. And Nicolas Cage and Cloverfield are two very popular topics for us. So, yeah, check us out. Again, patreon.com slash deludipod. Um, hey, you get a sticker. <laughs> you sure do, buddy. You sure do. Um, if you want more stickers, uh, yes. the merch store, too, is a pretty cool place it's in our to link be. Tree. Yep, it's in our and link it's tree. in our descriptions on all our socials. Every single description is going to have our merch link. You can buy so much stuff. We've got fucking face masks. We've got hoodies. We've got a fucking wall tapestry that only costs like $22. That's huge. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. We're actually going to be buying one of those <laughs> because... We just need more decor in our fucking studio. Um, We're getting tired of looking at all the egg carton uh, the egg foam. cartons, the the guitars, like just the the drab wall. We need some fucking spice in our life. So, yeah. as the Spice Girls might say, "Spice up your life." Spice. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, any kind of social media. We are active on all of them. Um, if you want us Insta- messages. Yes. I'm also uh, still really upset nobody's faxed me their asshole yet. Yeah, we don't have any fax holes from anyone, and therefore we cannot send out any fax holes to anyone. So, please, fax us at, uh, the number's 911, I think. Yeah, <laughs> make sure you, you type urgent in the at line. <laughs> okay, please don't do any of this, because if you do and then reference us, we are Fucked. Also, <laughs> don't forget to call and leave a voicemail on yes. our Google phone number. Oh, yeah, we are we are using that a ton this month. So we are using this number to kind of collect voicemails from you guys about some creepy experiences. And that's what we're going to be doing for our very last Analween episode. <laughs> Analween. <laughs> and uh, guess we... what? I don't know why. We... It's like annual anal. We were drunk when we came up with it. Yeah, and I think it was analog. We think our original idea was analog horror Halloween. So we're like Analween. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. But I, we're not doing that. So don't forget that the Google phone number is 630-909-9366. Once again, that is 630 630- 
909-9366. One more time, Jason. That is... 630. I got you. 5, 4, 6, 12, 9, 8, 20. 6302. You got it, buddy. 40. 12. 32. I fucking hate you. You people never let me have this. We've already seen that the rules of three is a thing, but you never let me have it. <laughs> Honestly, I think this version of rules of three will work better. Six three zero nine zero nine nine three six six. Oh, you got it. He's a he got it. Fucker. Yeah. So I think I fucked it up, but whatever. You got it the first two no, times. No, no, no. You got it. it. You got it. It's uh, definitely not in any of our descriptions at all. Yeah, we're, we're actually it it's isn't. not. It's I know. That was that was a slight nod, nudge at you. I know. You're like, come on, fucker. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Jason, I'll, don't I'll, forget your thing. I know. I'll post that in there. Don't um, no. Don't forget your tag. Oh no, I'm I'm not forgetting that. I'm saving the best for last, there, buddy. Okay. Um, I don't know. Expect so next week we are going to be talking. Well, not talking about. We are going to be giving you guys the narration of a lifetime when we talk about Doug's favorite creepy pasta. Um, Doug, do you want to give a just a very vague, very very yes. vague? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, there, there we is. go. <laughs> 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 I was hoping for vaguer, but that's fine. <laughs> Dindy world. <laughs> no, it's it. You guys are in for a treat next week. Um, it'll be a fantastic read. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. But most importantly, and the only reason that we can actually make these episodes is if you are paranoid. We actually have a new. Uh, we're developing an app called the Paranoid Meter. I really Par- thought, like, I'm just going to totally derail this right now. Cool. I thought you were going to be like, it's possible, it's made possible by the listeners uh, from PBS. <laughs> Here we go. Viewers like you. Yeah, exactly. You knew no, exactly what I was trying to I get do. out of my mouth hole. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because that was fucking drilled into my brain after every WTTW show or PBS sure. show. Or like, yeah, exactly. Make uh, sure you spay and neuter your pets. Okay, Bob Barker. What? What? Spay Barker? and neuter your pets. Goodbye, everyone. I'm going to go fuck my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you can use that and actually mean it now. I can. Yeah. Yeah. That's my wife. Have you used that yet? Oh, all the time it works. Oh, thank yeah. God. Wait, Jason, wait. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go fuck my wife yet. Jason, tagline, go quick, and okay. then I'll fuck my wife. Everybody, I know you've been waiting for it. I know this whole episode has been very, very creepy, very terrifying, but that's all the more reason for you to... Make a new room in your house that is kind of hidden. Like, make it like look like a wall, but make a room there. And go sit in there. There's no lights. There's no sound. There's no nothing. It's just your personal paranoia room. Go in there and stay the fuck paranoid. Because honestly, that's the only reason we can keep the lights on. It's like think There's monster- a name for these rooms. Panic rooms. Nope, nope. Back rooms. Don't mind me. Oh no, we're not doing the. Are we going to the back rooms again? Are you fucking oh, shitting me? We're going to the back room. Back rooms, us. Guys, Please. we're going to the back room. Oh no! Whoa! Well, I know a couple of Patreons Whoa. that would be very happy with that. But thank you guys so much. Um, tune in next week for some more creepy, chilly stories. Ah, I just came back from back room four twenty six nine. Yeah, that's literally. It was just a wall that says nice. Yeah. <laughs> Bye everyone. Love you. Wait, slap, slap them fucking beans against your fucking beans. They're like, hey, this guy that just talked for forty-eight fucking minutes is going to say goodbye. Yeah, no, just slap your penis against your beans. It's fine. Slap your penis against your penis. Slap, slap your fax hole against your 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 nut hole. (laughs) Your fax hole and your tax hole. I think none of this.